Welcome to Disc Integration. This is your host, Tim. This is Matt. And this is the podcast where Matt and I discuss the entire discography of The Cure. And we have made it to the end. But before we jump into that, Matt, you got anything this week? I don't think so. I got my census documents in today. So I figured, why not do them right here on the podcast? I mean, all right. (laughs) All right. Question one. This week on our match play... We got a fatal four-way. A lot of fatal four-ways. How many one of us have we had any one-on-ones? They're all triple threat matches. If this was actually wrestling, I'd be I'm done with this. Like, it, let me see a one-on-one finally. No, I don't think we've had a single one-on-one. Always fatal four-ways. It's like ECW. Anyways, this week, the title, Bad Day. The bands, R.E.M., Daniel Pouter, <laughs> Fuel, and Darwin Dees. Is that the order that you listen to them? That is not. How do, how do you keep changing the order? I read them off to you every time from my notes. No, I'm kidding. That is exactly <laughs> okay. the order. Like, how does this keep happening? <laughs> Before we begin, I will say I am a pretty big fan of R.E.M., but somewhat spoiler alert, I don't think I have to eliminate them as a choice in this four-way, uh, necessarily. Slight information, I think I do have to eliminate one this week. Ha <laughs> I can't wait to find that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the song itself... Did you notice? I think it's fairly obvious when I hear it. This is an early version of This is the End of the World as We Know It. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like anybody that listened to it be like, man, that sounds a lot like, but it did start out that way. And then they recorded this for like a Greatest Hits yeah. or something. I can't remember the full details, but generally yeah. that. It's okay, but the fact that it sounds like End of the World as We Know It. Why not just listen to the end of the world? Yeah. No, like, and, and if I wouldn't have known that like this is the one that I put in the playlist... Probably in the very beginning would have thought, no, this is end of the world. Right. I picked the wrong song. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's okay. Yeah. It's a definite R.E.M. song. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like R.E.M. That's for sure. So I guess it does what it's intended to do. Uh-huh. Daniel Powder. This would be the one that I think I have to eliminate. Not because of, like, favoritism, but I've heard this song, like, a million times. So has everyone. My <laughs> my live as it starts notes. Yeah. The preview screen made me think I was about to listen to some terrible hip-hop. Instead, I got terrible piano pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I may, I may not have to eliminate it so much as it's just, it's one of those songs that everybody's heard a million times. Even people that don't listen to pop music have probably well, heard this. My favorite part was, I'm going to listen to this whole song because I'm required to. Oh, I got to the chorus. It's that terrible piano yeah. pop song. Yep. I can skip it now. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't stand this kind of saccharine. Ugh. Whew. I don't know. I think at one point this was one of my best friends, like, pick-me-up song. Like, I'm having an actual bad day and I need something to pick me up. It's like modern-day Barry Manilow. Yeah! It really is. Daniel Powder outside yeah. contender, apparently. Mm. Fuel. We'll my notes for the for Fuel. No reason that Bad Day from R.E.M. should be the best song so far, but here we are. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was a late 90s, early 2000s rock ballad. We, we get one of these every time we do a match play. I think <laughs> every even time. Even without planning. Like. Yeah, no, because we just searched randomly the song title. We didn't even look at who the bands were or anything. Every time, man. Yeah. So many of these bands. I mean, like, I know some songs from Fuel just from random YouTube playlists. Right, I have no clue. But. I know the name, but that's it. Yeah, no, I couldn't have, like, if I wouldn't have specifically added the fuel song to my playlist i definitely would have known hey yeah no this is a fuel song you know that 
I'll tell you another thing that I observed because I did watch most of this video. If anyone sang or screamed in their therapist's face like that, it's mobile crisis call. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Or trip to the, you know, crisis observation. Exactly. Something. Last song, Darwin D's. Well, this isn't so bad. A very simplistic indie pop song. Yeah. It reminded me of Adam and his package, which I don't think anyone else will know who the hell I'm talking about. I don't even know who you're talking about. Uh, so I was thinking maybe Beckish, sort of like kind Beck. Of. Beck does like, poppy songs like yeah, this. Yeah, but this is more like I don't know. I almost I labeled this one almost like parody pop. Yeah, I can it's, see that. It, it it's definitely it to me. It's written more like a funny song. Yeah, I put down that it was a fun little song. Yeah. His also, he wasn't singing about having a bad day. No. He was hoping someone he was, he was else, big time, was very much have like, it. yeah. Like, wasn't one of the lines like, I wish I was your new girl so that I could like, break up with you? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, no, it was just listening to just different terrible ways he hoped this person would have a bad day. Yeah. So I wasn't in love with it, but it was better than everyone else. Yeah. My vote for this one is Darwin D's. Mine too. Oh, man, I thought you were going to go for Daniel Powder. Nope. Yeah, what are you going to do? But I've also, I mean, I did know, like, I, Darwin D's, but I've also been going through this weird, like, funny song slash parody song style, like, mood right now. Right. <laughs> so you might have heard it at the right time. Yeah. There you go. Did you listen to any more of it? Uh, no, I haven't listened. I, although I have noted, like, I might look up some more of the songs. Like, well, if you listen to it once on YouTube, they'll probably throw some more in on you anyways. That's quite true. Well, we've done it. 413 Dream, the last album. The Dream. Until the next yeah. album, if the next album ever comes. Yeah. But for now, this is it. It was released on October 27th of 2008 after several delays. Guitarist Pearl Thompson returns for this album after a 14-year absence from the band. The Cure changed from producer Rob Robinson to Keith Udden, but they continued to record as a four-piece in the studio, as they had done on the self-titled album The Cure in 2004. Smith had originally intended for it to be a double album, but because of numerous delays and for some other reasons... They decided to just get something out there. Smith has said that the final release was trimmed down to the popular songs that were recorded as he couldn't make the more dour and instrumental tracks work within the framework of a single CD. Which couldn't be done. Alright. The album debuted at 16 and sold 24,000 copies in its first week of release. Reviews were generally positive, receiving a B from Entertainment Weekly, 3.5 stars from Rolling Stone, and an 8 from NME. Pitchfork said, if The Cure were debuting today with this record, they'd be celebrated. The BBC said, the album is upbeat, celebrating mental health and bounding with energy. Let's go to the internet to see what the fans had to say back in the day. So, in release month, October 2008. There are good, catchy pop songs, but the production is poor, and most of the songs are weak. This album takes my breath away. 413 Dream is one of the best Cure records we've seen in a very long time. 413 Dream is worthwhile, but I keep hoping for more. That's a a mixed reaction. Yeah. November 2008. An extremely strong record. Finally, an album that makes Wild Mood Swing seem like a masterpiece. Ouch. (laughs) The album is lackluster and dull. The magic is gone. It's a rough one. Wow. Just enjoy this for what it is. A beautiful, original piece from the heart. And last uh, thought, another dud from The Cure. And finally, three months from release, December 2008. It is time for The Cure to pack it in and call it a day. 413 is simply not a great album, and I'm being mild. I really wanted to like this album more, but I can't. It's okay, but nothing special. 
A truly hypnotic and dreamy soundscape that pulls you in delightfully and does not let you go until the end. I place this one in the league of pornography and disintegration. Mixed reception, it seems like, from the 8 billion reviews I pulled all those sins from. Kind of want to follow up questionnaire for the person who thought Mild Mood Swings was made better by this album's release. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, we shouldn't be talking about it yet. We haven't even gotten to the album. That's true. Underneath the Stars, first track. Uh, I like so far that it seems like they're going to keep the heavier aesthetic. Yeah. When it comes to the production that they had used on self-titled. The tinkle bells are always a very signature cure sound. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it feels a very, it's a very pornography-like opener. It is. I think overall the sound of it in comparison to their past work. Seems like something longtime Cure fans would love. As always, it's a good solid opener to the album. Although I do, I did note like the echoes in the vocals, right, feel more like modern technology styled echoing rather than the way they were doing it before, where they kind of layered his vocal behind itself to make it echo. Oh, gotcha. I know what you're saying. Made it feel weird to me, but I did it. Perfect run of album openers mm-hmm. from ten fifteen Saturday night to underneath the stars. Not a bad. Album opener. No, that's that's impressive. That's, that's, in that's, itself. That in and of itself is amazing. Thirteen album streak. That's like the Undertaker and WrestleMania. Bam! <laughs> that wall sound gets intense at the end. Second track was the only one. I mean, yes, it's the only second track. <laughs> that is true. But what about the title or the song? It was a very sexualized lyrically. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't really pay attention. Yeah, no, it was very much the like. I did put that Smith had playful vocals. He did. Because <laughs> he was very... getting all sexy time. Yeah. This is the first time that I can say the song was about sex and you could definitely tell. Right. <laughs> That's funny. I did put it, it is just one of their bouncy, poppy love songs. It is. I don't know if it's good as some of the others, but it's pretty excellent. Yeah. It's a good follow-up to Underneath the Stars. I did note that it's interesting to hear Smith without the like undertones of the whiny vocals or the angry vocals. This is just like... Straight Woo! Smith wooey yes. sound, yeah. and that it's different. Third track, the reasons why. My first note: vocals are back to classic Smith, kind of that elongated end, like he holds on to the end of words to emphasize them a little more. I noticed that uh, when it first started, it reminded me a little bit of something from Seventeen Seconds. Yeah, that was the just kind of like you said, like classic Smith. Yep, it kind of transitioned into more of a indie rock song. Yeah. I like the weird backing vocals on the chorus. I couldn't... It's people singing, but I couldn't tell. It seemed like to me they were singing backwards. I think Did so. Did you pay attention to yeah. the backing vocals at all? Cause mm. That's what it just seemed like. Like, well, you're hot. Yeah. But it yeah. actually sounded good, like they were just singing normally. Yeah. No, it, it definitely did. It sounded different, but I can't guarantee... Like, I can't say that it is them singing backwards. Initially, I was kind of lukewarm on this song until it got to around the four-minute mark. They get to this big wall of sound part. Yep. That, I mean, it kind of moved me from, eh, it's all right, to like, oh, yeah, no, this is worth a listen. Yeah, again, I mean, it's, it's, that, it's that solid, classic cure. It's a long song, and it takes a while to build, but, man, when you get there. Yep. Man, sometimes it's hard to get there. Uh, next track was Freak Show. I don't know about Freak Show. Like, it's a very dance song. Yeah. It's not the first time they've done something like this. Peppy. Uh, I do say, though, that this one, it ended abruptly. It did end abruptly, yeah. This song is one of those ones we've talked about where, like, musically they're taking a step back. <clears throat> yeah. It's more of uh, Smith's vocals, which almost have, like, a hip-hoppy rhythm uh-huh. to them. 
And then the percussion itself is amazing in this song. Yeah. Like, the percussion and Smith kind of carry this one. They do, yep. It's it's kind of a fun song within the album, but yeah, it's not something I really come back to. Yeah, I actually noted this song made me feel like it was, like, it was left not done. <laughs> oh, because of the way it cut yeah. off abruptly? Yeah, I don't know. I just but, I think I mean, it was more of a, there wasn't really a whole lot there. Yeah. More, there wasn't a whole lot of places to go with yeah, it. Yeah, I think that was more it, but it definitely also felt like... But it was like, well, this is a fun song to throw on here. Yep, it's a fun dancey oh, siren, siren song. song. Right out of the gate, this song reminded me of Built to Spill, which I like own every Built to Spill album. So, <laughs> so it's a it's, good thing. Yeah, no, it's going well for me. I mean, it's another song where I got kind of lost in listening to Smith's vocals and the lyrics. Right. And forgot to take notes. Even I, listening to it multiple times. I feel like every time just got literally called in by the siren song, I guess. Well, I liked it a, a lot. And I just mm. listened to it. I was like, you know, that Bill's Spill is my only reference point. Mm, <laughs> and that's why I was like, I find this one thing that kind of sounds like Bill to Spill. I was like, oh, I'm going to like this because like it, it kind of sort of sounds like Bill to Spill. I did like the second vocal tracks they added to the chorus. Yes. That really stood out. It was nice. The songs are okay in my book. Yep. So that's on. The Real Snow White. Two. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> no, it's just the real Snow White. Nope. Oh. Yeah, my bad. No, you're fine. I just no. I looked up. I again, I listened to it multiple times, and I found a few different playlists to listen to. And it's yeah. For some reason, the title is the real Snow White two. The beginning of the song did not have me expecting much. Just kind of a very heavy mid tempo rock song. Yeah. But the chorus part is really good. Yeah. Because. Before that, it was kind of middle of the road. It was like, well, this is going to be bland. But you know what? There wasn't enough of those choruses. As exceptional as the chorus is, man, those verse parts are kind of bad. Oh, yeah. I wanted to like it because of the chorus, but the overall song, I just did not. I think the sound itself fits the album, but I don't know that the song itself fits the album. I mean, I think it fits in the context of the album. I just don't think it's a very good song because the verses. No. I mean, again, Smith's vocals are probably the biggest thing to carry that one to where I felt comfortable with it. I mean, I'd agree on the verse parts. I think on the chorus, the music carries. Yeah. Show up for the whole song, guys. Or, you know, <laughs> do what you want. Because you make more money than that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> up next is Hungry Ghost. The Hungry Ghost. Don't want to make people angry. Mr. fucking Real Snow White 2. Two. <laughs> Actually, I still have this one down as Hungry Ghost. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Ta-da! Where both can be wrong. Uh, my very first note on this one, it took me two minutes to realize that the new song had started. I don't remember really being confused by the change overall, but possibly. Huh? No, I can't, because I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guitar at the beginning, setting the tempo, is very energetic. And I thought they were going to come in heavier. Smith is spitting vocals on this one. Yeah. And I kept thinking it was going to be a wall of sound song, but it, it more just kind of teased it. Yeah. Like it would build, but it always kind of pulled back. It, it ends up being more of a uh, composition song. Nice. Because of the number of instruments that they're using. And they, you know, got the good old bleeps and bloops. Oh, yeah. Like always. I really enjoyed Hungry Ghost. I don't have a whole lot of notes on that one. Oh. Mostly because I got through two minutes of a four minute song without realizing that oh, huh. it was a different song because apparently I got sidetracked by something. That or you apparently liked it as much as the real Snow White, too. I could be. Because again, I mean, I didn't mind either song. Switch. This one starts off super aggressive. The drums are racing. They kind of vary Smith's vocals a bit on this one. They do, yep. They're letting the music do it. It feels like they're in attack mode. This is definitely the switch back kind of song. I mean, not to take the song title and use right. it. Yeah, but 
it like the last two songs were not the heavy rock. Yeah, that's true. And then this one was the hey, we're back with that sound. Oh yeah, it's completely chaotic. This song, yep. you're just aggre- aggression and chaos. It's my favorite so far, of yeah. course. Uh, this one actually, in particular, due to listening several playlists on YouTube, uh, I picked up a couple of different uh, live versions mm-hmm. and a couple uh, studio versions. Right, they're actually pretty similar. Live and studio. Right. Whereas usually for me, live is a little bit wonkier. I mean, it says a lot for the band itself. That they're that consistent. That they're that consistent between studio and live. Yeah, it's too bad they didn't switch to, like, recording together as a band sooner than, like, the last two albums. Yeah. Like, guys, why didn't you ever think to do this over the course of your career? But, you know, they're cranking out pretty good music the whole time, but, man, why didn't they do this during Wild Moon Swings? Or, you know... <laughs> Blood Flowers. Yeah. Not that Blood Flowers was that bad. Blood Flowers was cut together well. It, it was, but I mentioned it with Wild Mood Swings. I don't want people to misunderstand that it's not as terrible as... Yeah. <laughs> fucking Wild Mood Swings. Well, yeah. <laughs> the Perfect Boy. <laughs> They really pull back from that chaotic uh, they, sound of the switch. They pull back hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Real poppy love song. Yeah. Super ballady chorus. Yep. It's a decent pop song, but not as good as the only one was. No, I'll give you that. Yeah. Which overall, this album is tending to be a little more poppy. Yeah. Which, so this, is, this is more of a pop album. It's more of the... From the comments from him, that's what they're yeah. shooting for. They yeah. pretty much put together a pop album. After hearing that, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Next song is this... Period, here and now, period, with you. Bass is right up front on this one, which, as you know, I love me some bass. You do. Real heavy, but it is actually just another poppy love song. It is st- yeah, it, it definitely starts in that bass intro, good sound, and then... Yeah, it's just kind of poppy. Then poppy. Alshon's Perfect Boy, which is probably good oh, if they put yeah. it after it instead of before, because it would outshine it even more. Yeah. I think it might be the most interesting song on the album as far as the instrumentation as it goes along. Yep. Uh, It's almost, as the song continues, it it sort of blends from bouncy pop to one of the more, like, composition songs. Yeah, I can't say necessarily blends into, like, a goth sound, but it definitely blends into that composition sound. I did note that Smith's vocals for this one at least tie everything together. Yeah, no, it does. I think it does tie the spectrum of what's going on behind him yeah. together. Absolutely. But I think the song would be... I mean, again, it's it's a solid mix of the vocals and the instrumentals on this one. Yeah. I mean, it almost feels experimental, even though it, it's also something you would kind of expect from The Cure. Yep. That expected fair, experimental kind of sound that yeah. they do. I, I like that one quite a bit. Me too. Sleep When I'm Dead. Is this the one... I think it might be... There was one of these that was on a previous album. Ah, shit, I meant to make a note of it, and I think it's Sleep When I'm Dead. And then I didn't find this out, so after I made my notes, I was like, well, of course, dum-dum. Uh, this song really harkens back to their early 80s sounds. Huh. With a little bit more modern drum sound. Instead of the electronics drum sound, you get on something like Pornography. One of their more straightforward Cure Rock songs. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> you should look it up real quick. I will, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Sleep When I'm Dead that came from it. And I was like, ha, that's funny. Of course, it sounds like the 80s. Originally written during sessions of the band's 1985 album, maybe, The Head on the that's Door. what it was. Yep, yep, maybe that's it. Okay, so it is Sleep When I'm Dead. So maybe we hadn't yep. heard it before. No, it was written during... Written during, okay. The rec- yeah. Well, that clears that up. Yep, during recording but sessions for The Head on the Door. That also doesn't make sense now. 
No. What I'm describing would be stuff you would have heard on like 17 Seconds and Faith. When I'm talking about this song, yeah, I'm not talking about what Head on the Door sounded like. Because Head on the Door was super poppy. Head on the Door yeah. is very similar to this album in some ways. It is. Because of how it overall sounds. But Sleep When I'm Dead, when I describe it, I'm it's thinking not, of yeah, like no, 17 Seconds. Yeah. Honestly, 17 Seconds is the album I'm thinking of as far as yeah, what no, it sounds it's a solid, like. Solid 17 Seconds song. Yeah. And that might... But, I mean, again, reading some of the, like, where he gets his inspiration when writing songs, it wouldn't surprise me if he'd write a... What's inspiring old Robert Smith? I don't ever look that crap up. <laughs> no, like, he wrote, what was it, 31... Oh, the 49? Or, yeah, 49. No, 39. 39. That was Blood Flowers. On his, yeah, like, just those kind of inspiration hits him at random in the middle of nothingness, and he writes something that sounds different than what he was recording. Up next was The Scream. The backing noises as a classic goth feel to this song. Yep. This is the first one on here I would almost remotely describe as goth. Uh, I actually have a note in here. I feel like there's a drum loop in the background. It could be, honestly. That or that guy's just extremely consistent yeah. on drums. Yeah, either, <laughs> yeah. Either, either the drummer is extremely consistent... Of course, with drums, I think they do, for albums, tend to mix those a lot more because yeah. you can break them down into separate parts so easily. It got intense and dark real quick. It really did. I had, I did not think there would be a better song than Switch on this album, but this song is four and a half minutes of just straight madness. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was going to say, but I think that's why I enjoy it so much. <laughs> I did think, like, man, you should just stop here. Stop on it. Fucking high note. Yeah. Yeah, the scream was amazing. I mean, listen to this album. It was worth, that was worth it alone. The rest of this could have been straight garbage, and I probably would have been happy just to be able to hear scream. Right. Last song. It's over. There you go. Straight up. And turning off the lights. <laughs> Until, you know, <laughs> this year. Oh, I meant for them. They haven't released shit yet. Oh, uh, that's true. Up to this point, it's over. Real heavy start for an album ender. Yeah. It, it's not normal. Like... It's not, yeah. It's, it's odd for them for an album under. For the, for the album closer, like... But I really like the bass, and the drums are super snappy. Yeah. The percussion uh, is just super solid in this song. And they can they just kind of can add layers, because the percussionist just holding it down. Oh, yeah. Uh, Smith's vocals were feeling aggressive, and he's quick-spitting them. Oh, yeah. You know what? It was really close. I'm not sure if I like it more than Scream, but man, I was wrong about this not being an album under. Yeah. This song's no. solid as hell. It was a great one. But it also just kind of leaves you wanting more, which I guess you restart at the beginning of the album. I mean, again, it's... it's <laughs> Go a, back. It feels to me like it's a solid, like, they do that with most of their album closers. It's a solid, like... I don't know. I think some of them leave then, you going, man, I'm going to sit here for a minute and think about that. Yeah. But this one leaves you going, man, I wish I had some more of this to listen to. I, yeah, I mean, some of the some of the stuff is definitely the think it through, and then I don't know. I guess a few more of them to me, maybe than Tim, but yeah. worthy kind of, especially with the more recent stuff, has been the kind of keep listening, draw you back in. Well, that that's it. What'd you think overall? My first note, literally out the gate with my overall notes, uh, I can honestly say that the self title was the better of the two. I can now agree with Tim. Oh, man, I tell you, I went into this feeling bad for this album. Like, man, you're going to have to follow Self-Titled? Self-Titled was amazing. And honestly, I was listening to Self-Titled almost as much as this album. 
Oh, this is definitely a solid, like, number two. <laughs> but when I sat down and actually gave this a dis- uh, dedicated listen, I don't think there were any duds on this album. Like, it is a good follow-up to Self-Titled. The real Snow White was fucking kind of right there on the edge for yeah. me as being a dud. But the chorus redeems it enough that I can say, you know, every song on here is not, you know, they're worth giving a listen to. I don't know that I would listen to Freak Show a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't either. But, you know, once one, it's not a self-insult like, man, that was terrible. I wish yeah. I never had to hear that. No. So, I mean, listening to Which, the whole album there are other bad. songs that I would definitely never go back to. I think they... But, do a good job of hitting, like, all the different styles of The Cure. You can get some bouncy pop, you get some goth, you get some comp- composition songs, you get that wall of sound song. Yeah, it. I guess it, for me it's kind of the, it's the best of without picking out the songs that they think are the best of. Yeah, I think we've said that about several <laughs> albums, though, so it's hard to, like, keep saying that over and over. But, it, I mean, it, it's saying something, though, that they can keep refining that and sound. put out solid songs. Yeah. Uh, this here and now, I really liked, of course, Switch. I love The Scream. I've already said that yeah. enough. And It's Over. Like, what's that? Four songs? Four songs, almost in a row. And what's it? Uh, 11 song album? Yep. Something like that? 13. Is it 13? Still four songs out of 13. And the others, not none of them being terrible. That's a solid album. I still think Self-Titled is the best album of, the all, of all time. Yeah. But this is four out of five stars. I, yeah. So I would I give self-titled? Because I think I have to change self-titled. I think point. you gave self-titled four. Back yourself into a corner, man. Nah, I think, I mean, without switching, it's solid 3.9. <laughs> you can't amend scores. Yeah. Nah, we can't be doing no point nines. <laughs> three, seven, five. I'll let you go. All right. High. See what you did. Three, seven, five for this album. That's not fair. <laughs> Why are you being a dick, Matt? <laughs> Should have been kinder to... Should have been self-titled. self-titled, apparently. <laughs> I, I was I was putting a lot of faith in this album to be better than self-titled. You can always say four and just say that they're almost equal to each other, if that's how you feel about it. That is how I feel. I, I mean, that's why I was headed for the 3-9, but yeah. I'll give this one solid four. Solid four. Good as, if not, you know, slightly worse than. I guess that's sort of a preview for our next episode, where we'll be covering our top three albums and our top ten songs. So one of those is easier than the other. When I started out, <laughs> I started, I've already started on my top ten. I have to whittle down from 33 songs. It's a lot of songs from That's The Cure, man. And it's it's not been an easy job to try and whittle it down. So that says a lot about this band. Before we go, of course, let's figure out what our match play for next week will be. Do a one-on-one for the final... <laughs> for the final showdown. Actually, the final for now episode yeah. of this. It's the final countdown. Well, you know what? I think you will be familiar with one of them. Song title, Still Alive, The Artists, Jonathan Colton. <laughs> I don't know that man at all. And? Lisa Mikovsky. Final match, one-on-one. The first time... Hell in a Cell. <laughs> <laughs> we had money in the bank and hell in the cell. We're covering all, right. all of them. We're getting, we're getting there. We haven't done the battle royale yet. Got anything else for today, Matt? I don't think so. Let's go, disc. Please follow us on Twitter at Frisky Discs. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts.